0: Let's pray. May my words be in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please sit down. Well, good morning. It's lovely to see you all. I've been, some of you may know that I'm having a break from my own church for a few months while I get established in a new job. And so I've been traveling around the deanery churches and was here earlier this year and at St. Aidan's and St. Perrin's as well. So, But it's good to have you all gathered together. And it was lovely that Gary asked me to speak to you this morning. And he, he said, could you do something about love and about Valentine's Day? So I thought, fine, that's okay. But I'd better do some research. Because actually, I'm not sure if what I know about St. Valentine is accurate. And what I discovered is that It's difficult to know whether there is anything accurate about St. Valentine. (laughs) There are numbers of stories, going back to when a number of people called Valentine, who did heroic things, lived. But the consensus that's probably got a great deal of embellishment added to it over the years is that probably... Valentine was, or the one that we think of, was a priest, possibly a bishop, but probably a priest in Rome, in the time of Emperor Claudius II, who was, like many Roman emperors, very brutal. One of the versions of the story is that Claudius wanted all the men to be soldiers, all the young men. But the married young men didn't want to go off to war. And so there was a problem. So Claudius thought, hmm, what am I going to do about this? I'll ban marriage. So he banned marriage. But the young couples wanted to get married. And so they went off quietly to Valentine and he married them secretly. Inevitably, he got found out and arrested and put in prison. But the couple still kept coming in the dark of night to get married and Valentine would say the liturgy and of course he got caught again. And this time he was condemned to death. Well that's one of the versions of the story. There are other variations. One is that Claudius didn't like the fact that Valentine tried to convert him. And so he condemned him to death. One of the stories is that the jailer's daughter... got very close to Valentine. (laughs) (laughs) It was a priest, you know, just, just be careful of what we're thinking. But when he was going to his execution... He left her a note. And on the bottom of the note it said, From your Valentine. Now, we don't really know. We don't really know. But I wonder what sort of picture comes into your head when you think about Valentine's Day. What sort of picture of love? It's a big business these days, isn't it? Cards, gifts. You know, advertising for meals, romantic meals to go out. You could spend a fortune. I'm not sure that that's what Valentine died for. Not sure what he would have thought. But then we've got that couple, haven't we, celebrating their wedding in Cana in the gospel reading. We don't really know very much about the couple. It's not, you know, other than other than the master of ceremonies going to speak to the bridegroom. We don't hear much about them, and the chances are that that was probably an arranged marriage, because that was how they did things in those days. And any sort of romantic love would come later. That wouldn't be necessarily at the first stage of them coming together to be married. But commitment would certainly be expected from the couple. We do know that Jesus was there, though, and we do know that he performed this, his first miracle, transforming all those gallons, all those litres of water into the very best wine. We certainly see Jesus blessing the gift of marriage and making that celebration memorable. But what else comes to your mind when you think about love? Is it? Is it just romance? You know, the Hollywood movie? Is it? Joe was telling me that when Voce was here, they sang the song, Love Changes Everything. Is it that? Is it that sense that love comes in and changes us? Is it about commitment in the face of great difficulty? The person that you married 30 years ago, 40 years ago, is no longer in good health. And yet, you stick with them, helping to look after them. Is it selfless sacrifice for others? There are lots of images. Some children, some children were asked about love. It's always wonderful, isn't it? When you ask children, you get the unexpected <laughs> and the very profound. So this is what Billy said. Billy, who was four, said, When someone loves you, The way they say your name is different. (laughs) You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. (laughs) i rather like that description of love. Doesn't it say something very special about what it means to know that you're loved the way someone says your name? Jessica, though, is a bit older. She was eight. And she's a bit more forthright. Jessica says, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. Because people forget. I think that Jessica would probably approve of Valentine's Day. It's a good opportunity to say, I love you. I recently came across a story of a man called John Phipps. John Phipps is an American and he lived, well, still lives as far as I know, in um, a place. He was going on a, a journey, on the West Coast, and was in an accident in a train, a train crash. And John was very badly injured And he was trapped by bits of train carriage around him. And he thought he was going to die, he was bleeding quite badly, and he didn't think he was going to survive. He didn't want his family to forget how much he loved them. So he used some of the blood that was pouring out of his wounds, and he wrote on the underside of the seat that was trapping him I love my kids. I love Leslie, that was his wife. He did live, fortunately, but it mattered so much to him that they didn't forget his love for them, that he wrote it in his blood. The author of our epistle reading that Madge read certainly uses the word love Quite a lot. I counted how many times he used it. I printed it out, and you won't be able to see from the back, but I marked all the, all the love, or loved, or loving in red. There are about, I think in this version, 27 occurrences of the word love. I don't think that the author wants us to forget that he's talking about love. And in fact, if we'd read the whole of the letter, we'd have had even more occurrences. There's clearly a point (coughs) to be made. The heart of this letter and this message is not that God is loving, though he is. It's not that God loves us, loves each one of us. Though he does. The heart of this message is that God is love. It's from that that everything else follows. It says here in verse 9, that in sending his son to dwell among us, as a human being, God showed us his love. Showed us himself, in fact, since he is love. If we if read the previous chapter, we would have read, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. His love for us was written in his blood. God the Father... And God the Son reveal their love for us. Not just in the words of the Bible. Though they do. Not just in the feelings and the experience and the encounters that we have with God. But in action. Which shouldn't surprise us. Because if God is love, then you can't separate out words and actions. Just think. Just think about the story of scripture. We go back to Genesis. God said some words. He said, let there be light. And there was light. Action came from his words. Or think about, we heard in the collect about Jesus healing. Jesus said, be healed. And the sick were healed. Actions and words go together. In John's Gospel, if we'd read further, we would have heard Jesus say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But in this letter, we have something that I think is almost even more amazing. It says, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another... Then God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. In other words, our very lives reveal God to others. People see God in us as we love. Now that sounds a tall order to me. We're not left, though, to our own devices, because God has also given us the Holy Spirit. And it's through him that we can love God and love others in the way that we're commanded to do here. And it is a command. We are to love one another. Now, once upon a time, many years ago, I was a mathematician I don't think you could describe me as a mathematician now, but I was. And not all mathematicians are very good at arithmetic, but I've got a reasonable grasp of arithmetic. And I know about subtraction. I know about giving away. So I know that if I start out with my little dish of smarties, which I've got ten, I counted them this morning... (laughs) Here's a leftover from my daughter's advent calendar that I made her. And if I give three to you, and if I give three to you, and if I give two to you, and if I give two to you, I haven't got any left. Because when I give things away, they don't suddenly reappear. And that's quite daunting, isn't it? I remember when I was expecting our second child, Sarah, I remember wondering whether I could possibly love her as much as our first one, Jonathan. Had I used up and given away all the love that I had? But I hadn't. Because... When she was born, I was overwhelmed to find that it was just as easy to love her as it was to love Jonathan and then David when he came along. You see, the mathematics of love aren't about subtraction like that. There's a different mathematical model Now I'm going to illustrate this and you're not to take it literally because it doesn't work literally. Let's have a look. Right, now this is me. And the corners are the love that I've got to give away. Okay? So I'm going to cut off Cut off some love. This is why it's not literal, because love doesn't just look like a piece of paper. And I'm going to give it away. There you are. There's some of my love for you. Now, the thing is, I've given away one of the corners, but what's happened? Because I had four corners on this rectangle. How many corners have I got now? Five. Five. So if I wrote love on this corner and cut it off... I could give it away. And this time, I'd have six. Now, it doesn't work very well with a piece of paper because it starts to get a bit sort of rounded off. But I think you get the idea that love is replenished as we give it away. Now, I'm not very capable of doing that replenishing in my own strength. And that's where I really need God to replenish me. And that love comes from the fact that, as it says in verse 19, we can love, we love, because God first loved us. In response to God's gift of love, freely given, giving himself in Christ and in the Holy Spirit living within us, we are then called to live lives of love. Lives that are as overflowing with love as God is himself. Now the way that that will look will be as different as the difference between us. Different between personality and situation. Just for a moment, think. Think of where you have experienced love in your life, uh, love that's been given to you and love that you have given to others, and you will know that it looks different for different people. But the wonderful thing is, as I said, although our love may seem limited, God's love isn't. It's his very essence, and it's his love that flows through us. Loving in this way may seem countercultural, and I think it probably should. Think about Jesus telling us to love our enemies. That's not what society says we should do. And when we read or look at the news, read the newspaper, we don't see a great deal of evidence of love in lots of situations in war, financial crises family breakup and sadly even within the church. Loving in this way, that sacrificial, freely given, constantly overflowing love is costly and it's risky. Look at St. Valentine, look at Jesus, look at people dying today as they share their Christian love. But to be Christian means to love others. We are free to love others because God has first loved us beyond all measure. And we are reminded of that not least every time we come round the communion table. Now I know that we passed Valentine's Day but I'm going to offer you all a heart as a reminder of God's love for you. It's an edible heart. So you can either eat it yourself, either now or when you're having coffee, or perhaps you would like to give it away. But whichever you do, perhaps as you eat it or as you give it away, you might just reflect on God's love for you. And reflect, too, on the opportunities that he's giving you to love him and to love others. Amen. Leave.